Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Jake Zimmerman was elected as St. Louis County's assessor in 2011. And after an unsuccessful bid to be Missouri's attorney general, the Democratic official is running for a second four-year term. Zimmerman joins us on the latest edition of Politically Speaking to talk about why he deserves another four years in office and the landscape in county government. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Merzenbaum. And I'm Joe Manish. Elections should be about your accomplishments. What have you done to qualify you for the position and why are you qualified to run? I'm going to push back on these regulators. I'm doing this for the people. I was encouraged along the way, not just by my family, but by a lot of teachers and professors and knew when I was in college that I would run for office someday. We're very excited about the prospect of having some more free market solutions. Even though after the conversation, I still might not agree. We want our listeners to get a real sense of what drives these people. They're actually people with a story to tell. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Lufius Alfa Romeo, offering test drives of the Alfa Romeo Giulia, the 2018 Motor Trend Car of the Year at Lufius Alfa Romeo in Fairview Heights. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in St. Louis today is... Colleague Joe Manis. And the man who assesses both Joe Manis's and Jason Rosenbaum's homes, because we're both <laughs> St. Louis County residents... We have as our special guest today. I'm Jake Zimmerman. The St. Louis County Assessor. You're running for re-election. It's your second full four-year term. Is that correct? Almost, because I was first elected in 2011, which... Uh, the, yeah, which was a special Which election. was a special election because the good people of St. Louis County voted previously to start electing their assessor again. So I am still the first elected assessor in over 50 years in so St. Louis County. It's almost three terms, but because of that quirk, like, it, it's only... It, it, you haven't you haven't completed two complete terms yet, but it feels like it. You know, I think that's I think it's I, fine. is that a compliment? Yes, it is a compliment. <laughs> okay, now now before that, Jake was in the state house. That's right. I was in the state legislature for two and a half terms uh, before that special election came up, uh, and before that, I was deputy chief counsel to then Governor Holden, and I was assistant attorney general under then Attorney General Jay Nixon. Okay, and you grew up. Where? I grew up right here in St. Louis County. My parents still live in the same house in Clayton that I lived in. My uh, traumatic move as a child was two blocks down the street <laughs> when I was three years old. Uh, I won't say yeah, he's never gotten over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm, I'm going to need a lot of therapy to handle the dislocation. No, and Megan and I live uh, in Olivet, so we're a couple of miles from the home we grew up in, and my son can be close to his grandparents, and we, we love this community. Your son's okay, like, your and, son's and like, where'd you go to high school? we got to get that out of the I way. I went to Clayton High School, Clayton <laughs> okay. Public Schools all the way through. Your son has to be like four, four and a half right now, He right? just turned four. Very oh, good, I can't Jason. believe that. I remember when Well, he was I know born. the day he was born, August 9th, uh, 2014. It is a... It is a hard day to forget for obvious reasons. Well, we might talk a little bit more about that later in the show. But before we talk about your reelection bid, I would be remiss 
not to talk about the time you were last on, which was 2016 when you were running for attorney general. You did not win in the Democratic primary. Yeah, that, that went it real well, close. didn't it? Yeah, it wasn't. It was, yeah, you it, know, I got to I got to talk with you guys two years <laughs> earlier than I otherwise might have. Well, that's true. I I, I don't want to get into the gory details of that, but I do. I am interested to hear what you learned from that race because. In some ways, this is going to sound like a weird observation, but maybe losing that primary was a good thing because it was a Republican mega wave election and you didn't end up getting shellacked Mm. by Josh Hawley like Teresa Hensley did. And, you know, you're still St. Louis County assessor. You're still in public service right now. Obviously, losing is not fun, but it seems like maybe you learned a lot of things from that experience and you may actually have future political prospects because you didn't actually lose in a general election. That's my observation. What's your take on it? God knows uh, losing is not the end of the world. And, you know, the American founders in their wisdom structured our democracy around the idea that these were not to be jobs for life and that no one was guaranteed one of them. Uh, Yeah. So uh, if I run around St. Louis County crying in my milk because I picked the worst possible year uh, for a nice Democratic boy from St. Louis County to run for statewide office in Missouri, I don't think I would get a great deal of sympathy. And the reality is, I mean, look, you just went through my litany of public service history. Uh, The voters of this community uh, and some pretty prominent leaders before the voters did have given me amazing opportunities to get up in the morning and lead a life that makes a difference. And I can point to tangible moments from every single one of those jobs where because of something that I got to do, because of a decision I was entrusted with, someone's life was changed for the better, whether it's broad public policy or individual circumstances. So, I mean, look, would it have been amazing and a neat opportunity to be Missouri's top law enforcement official? Of course it would have been. And do I have opinions about the gentleman in that role right now? Of course I do. No, really? What what I learned going around this state, even in a losing effort, is the people of this state are awesome. And there is a prejudice among some Democrats in particular uh, that, as Jay Nixon liked to say, you know, all, all the voters worth talking to live in some sort of a dog bone, you know, and there's a there's a big side of the bone in St. Louis and there's a big side of that dog bone in Kansas City and then maybe there's a little nubbin in the middle round about Columbia. That's a really good Jay Nixon impression, by the way. <laughs> I just want to say no one, that. No one has ever said that in my life. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Governor Nixon had a pretty good point when he was making fun of people who think that way. Um And it's not just about where you find the Democratic votes. Um, It's about the fact that people want the same thing out of their public institutions and out of their government everywhere you go. And just because there may be cultural differences or stylistic differences between different kinds of voters, you know, this state is full of people who will give you a chance and who will hear you out. And that even in difficult times like the ones we are living through, leaves me optimistic about the future here. So are there any lessons, though, that you take away from the 2016 election, either that you're using now as you're seeking re-election or in your office, 
or as you look ahead or for the, you know, for, for your party? Is there anything in particular that you're like, yeah, that was a good lesson for me to learn? Don't run for statewide office in the worst year for Democrats uh, in many, many years. Yeah, yeah but you didn't um, know that coming. But that, that no, could course. be any time. I'm, I'm making a joke. Um, <laughs> the, the lesson I take is that it's worth the effort uh, to go out there and to be in the places where the people are. If I could go back and do one thing differently in that campaign – I might have spent a little bit less time on the phone asking a handful of people who I thought were most likely to want to support me for their help and spend a little bit of extra time in places where maybe it's tougher for a St. Louis County kid to get in the door. Uh, knowing now, knowing then what I know now, I think that would have been time well spent. Well, let's talk about 2018. You're running for re-election. And before we talk about your platform, I do think it's worthwhile for the listeners, even if, especially if they haven't listened to your prior show, to explain what the assessor does, what are your primary responsibilities, and what you've done in since 2011 since you took this office. I think that that would be a good place to start. Well, the assessor tells you what your stuff is worth. And, uh, you know, it has I, – I, I get asked to explain this a lot to groups of Boy Scouts and Cub Scouts looking for their merit badges. And there is something to be said for finding a one-sentence way to explain it, right? Because you start saying valuation of real property and commerce for taxation purposes and people's eyes glaze over. Well, no, I'm super but, excited about that. But well, continue. you're not normal. Yeah, that, that goes without saying. <laughs> Finally, something. <laughs> it takes one to know one, Joe. Continue. Uh, it's so important that the person who tells you what your stuff is worth is doing it fairly because that determination is the basis on which your property taxes are charged. And not only that, but a whole host of other things like economic development incentives, land valuations for buyouts, all sorts of other stuff. When you pull up Zillow.com on your phone to try and guess what the house down the street from you might be worth, where do you think they're getting their data from? Magic. They're getting their data from uh, a whole lot of talented professionals who are much better at real property appraisal than I am, uh, who work in my office and whose job is not to care what the school district thinks and not to care what the uh, wealthy property owner or big commercial developer thinks, whose job is to value everything based on what it can sell for. And... Uh, I meet people sometimes who say, ah, county assessor, and no one cares about that job, right? You only have to look at jurisdictions where it is done poorly. And the most obvious recent example is Chicago, where a county assessor recently lost his job. Why? Because he was politically in the pocket of a bunch of corporate tax representatives and political hacks and lawyers who gamed the system. And what happened as a result was discrimination. Discrimination in favor of the people who were smart enough or rich enough to hire the right tax representative with the result of shifting the tax burden to everybody else. Mm -hmm. So that's why the county assessor matters 
as for uh, if, if you want some of the greatest hits, you know, when I became assessor, um, I saw some things that concerned me. One of them was the growth of farming in St. Louis County. Now, it's been a long time since St. Louis County, other than a few small pockets, was an agricultural community. Now, I want to emphasize to our listeners, you're being sarcastic. Right? I am not being sarcastic. No, okay. If you look okay. at... If you look at the numbers of what was showing up as quote-unquote agricultural land, the uh, if you look at it on a line graph uh, starting a couple of years before I came into office, it was on a huge upward slope. Yeah, but was that really farming land? It was not. Well, that's my point. It was wealthy developers, especially in parts of West County, taking things like vacant strip mall medians or land that they wanted to list for sale, or in one extreme case, the auto auction lot, you know, where they were farming cars. And maybe they planted some winter wheat seeds, or maybe they threw an apple tree in that strip mall median, and they said, this is a farm. Give me an agricultural tax break. Well, St. Louis County was letting them get away with it. Um, similarly, shortly after I came into office, um, we had a couple of our friendly neighborhood casinos uh, that went looking for windfall property tax valuation reductions. Yeah, I covered that when you had your press conference. Uh, and that wasn't a press conference that I was excited to have, Joe, because I don't know if you remember this, but it put me in a political fight with the then county executive and with his appointees to the board of equalization that had made the decision to give them that reduction. I wasn't excited about going to war with my political allies. Um, I also wasn't excited about multi-million dollar litigation against casinos who are known for being able to afford all the lawyers in Armani suits that they want to hire. But think about what would have happened if I hadn't have done that press conference, picked that fight, and gone on to ultimately win that fight. You get a windfall tax reduction and maybe a casino saves X million dollars in property taxes. Well, when somebody gets a freebie, everybody else has to pay. And there's one of two ways that you pay. Either every other taxpayer or every other small business, every business that can't afford a good lawyer uh, in that school district gets taxes raised on them. So maybe some senior citizens on fixed incomes get taxed out of their homes. Or maybe the school district and the fire department just decide to live without that extra money and they lay off some teachers or they lay off some firefighters. To me, either one of those things is a bad policy outcome. And I don't care whether it's casinos or whether it's the more recent uh, thing that has chapped my hide, which is fake charities pretending to be more nonprofit than they really are, ritzy senior living centers where the price of admission to one of these very nice senior living apartments might be a $700,000 deposit and they'll take your rent out of it, and they have a charitable care policy. And the charitable care policy is if the money runs out and you still haven't passed away, then they might not throw you out as long as they have the room. So that may be a very nice charitable or senior living facility, and you might be very happy to have an older member of your family living there, but it's not a charity and it's not a church. And when they claim to be a charity or a church, what they're trying to do is get a tax exemption. And if they get a tax exemption, it's the same thing as the casinos. Everybody else pays more 
or services suffer. Let's talk about August 9th, 2014, a little bit of how it relates to your job. Um, that happened like right after you, I don't think you were opposed in your primary, but that happened pretty much after you know, the 2014 election cycle. And I think it unquestionably like lowered property values. And when I'm saying it, I'm talking about the well, aftermath of Michael Brown's yeah, shooting down. Yeah, let's remind our listeners I, what, I, we're, what we're talking I, about. I do want to make sure we're clear here. I think people in Ferguson and the surrounding areas saw their homes go down in value significantly. Now, I've seen some news articles from quoting you saying that those property values have started to go up in the last couple of years. I'd be interested to hear about that kind of uh, roller coaster trajectory, because that's the type of thing that can, you know, really affect an average homeowner's life more than anything else I can even yeah, imagine. Yeah, because the, your, your home is usually your largest financial investment, and people um, rely on that home at some point, either to help pay for their retirement, or just as a place to live they put all this money in it and if all of a sudden it's worth half of what they paid that's that's tough. it's a huge problem for any community and you have to remember go back before 2014 go back to when i took office in 2011 which is a couple of years after the mortgage and foreclosure crisis burst into the open but when people were really still feeling the pain and we had big chunks of St. Louis County where there were more foreclosures and bank sales than traditional arm's length real estate sales. And when that happens, we all know who gets hurt. And who gets hurt is by and large not the person living in the $800,000 house in Kirkwood. The person who is most likely to be the victim of a foreclosure and therefore the neighborhood that is most likely to be torn apart by foreclosure is going to be in less affluent parts of town. It's going to be in places like South County, especially Southeast County and Mid-North County. Now you fast forward to 2014 and the city of Ferguson has made national news for all the wrong reasons. Of course that had an effect on the real estate market. Now you can say, the real estate impact should be the least of our concerns. Like maybe we should get criminal justice reform right and the real estate market will take care of itself. Obviously, but, you know, continue. But, and, and I, I feel this personally for a reason that you alluded to before. My, my son was born on the same day that Michael Brown lost his life. Uh, and if you think I don't think about that every year on Gabriel's birthday, then, uh, then maybe you don't know me that well. Um, but thinking about it in terms of this community, neighborhoods are more stable. People's lives are more stable when there is a good real estate market, when you can get a fair price for your home. And if you look back as recently as a few years ago, as 2015, forget about just Ferguson. What we saw more broadly and that really concerned me was that the rising economic tide was not lifting all boats. Oh, yeah. My in-laws lived in Florissant and they were affected. It was a situation where um, in some of the more affluent parts of St. Louis County, property values were really starting to rebound and in other places we didn't see that. The really heartening news, the great news, what you were alluding to a moment ago, is the numbers were different in 2017 
And based on what I'm seeing so far, I think the trend will continue, at least if this president doesn't uh, mess up the economy, um, which is that we are starting to see the gains shared a little more broadly. And you read those news articles because um, every year that we do a reassessment, if people's property values appear to be going up a lot, we make sure that an appraiser goes and rings that person's doorbell. Take a look at the property. Make sure we don't have something wrong. Make sure we've got our records right about the house because we don't want to hit someone with an unfair assessment increase. Well, last, elect last assessment cycle was the first time that we saw a number of those increases happening in the more middle class and working class parts of St. Louis County. So I went out with the appraisers and I rang some doorbells in the Ferguson Florissant School District. And I will tell you, it was a different experience than when I rang doorbells in the Clayton School District. When I rung those doorbells in Clayton, I had a few people who were not so happy to see the county assessor at their doorstep here to tell them that the property value had gone up. But to a man and woman, when I talked to people in the Ferguson Florissant School District and I told them, we're seeing those numbers go up. It looks like you can get a fair price for your home if you were to sell it. People saw that for what it was, which is good news. What about the rest of North St. Louis County? It's been said that the foreclosure crisis in you know 2008, 2009 was probably the, I don't want to say it was North County was the most devastating in the nation, but it was up there. Like, I think if you ranked the, the areas in the country that were most affected, it had to be in the top 10 or top 25. Well, especially list. parts of Northeast County, which used to be pretty good shape. I mean, like Spanish Lake around there. They've been hit, looks like, pretty hard by economic uh, downturn, which may be related to the foreclosure crisis, maybe something else. But how, what is what is that area like? Because I, when there's such a huge economic cataclysm like that, it's not going to reverse itself right away. And my understanding is like the Spanish Lake area is still very distressed compared to maybe even other parts of North and Mid-County. What's, what's been your experience and in, in your, your analysis of that? The big change in um, Mid-North County and Northeast County that has concerned me is the shift from owner-occupied housing to rental housing. During tough times when a lot of those foreclosures happened, one of the things that happened was you saw landlords swoop in and buy up some of those properties. And it always- Cheap at, at low prices. Exactly. And sometimes we fight with those people when they then turn around and hire tax representatives and try to get their property values lowered even further in the county's records. And- uh, again, it's it's really no different than fighting with the casino or any other big business interest. But in this case, beyond my job, which is to stand up against anyone who wants an unfair windfall, my broader concern for the community is that stable neighborhoods tend to have more owner-occupied housing. And uh, it comes back to another public policy problem that I've been fighting since my days in the legislature which is senior citizens on fixed incomes being taxed out of their homes. Because when that happens, not only do you potentially destroy one person's life as they know it, but you're also changing the character of the neighborhood if that owner-occupied house 
is likely to be replaced by someone renting it out. So um, I want to talk about this campaign because you do have a Republican opponent, Dan Hyatt, who we are going to invite on the show at some point. Um, Interestingly, in 2014, we kind of talked about this a little bit um, after the 2014 election cycle. There was another Republican candidate that I think everyone expected to win. Right. And she lost to somebody who basically didn't campaign at all. And it's kind of kind of was a fringy. He's running as a constitutional party candidate for county executive now. This time around, I've known Mr. Hyatt for a while. He's kind of a Republican activist from the, I guess, Maryland Heights area, if I'm not mistaken. And while I think you probably have a lot more campaign resources than him, and it is a Democratic county, he does seem like a more serious opponent than last time. So how do you think you stack up against him going into November 6th? Well, look, democracy works better when there are real candidates running real races. So uh, yes, I think think the voters of St. Louis County are better served uh, when the other side gets their act together and nominates someone who can carry their principles rather than uh, a perennial candidate or something else along those lines. And uh, yeah, my opponent seems to be a down-the-line staunch conservative Republican and he's a passionate defender of President Trump and he was a passionate defender of Governor Greitens. And to say that I see the world differently would be an understatement, but I'm glad that the people of St. Louis County get to have a real choice here because that's why we have elections. Well, what do you see as the biggest differences? I mean, what's your you were talking about what's going been going on in your office, but what do you what is your biggest pitch about why you deserve re-election and why it should be you instead of him? Joe, when you asked me in 2011 why I should be the first elected county assessor, you may remember that I said There's not a Democratic or Republican way to assess a house, but there is a right way and there is a wrong way. There is a fair way and there is an unfair way. There is a way where you sell out to the special interests and to whoever has the biggest pocketbook and there is a way where you do it fairly regardless of whether the property is worth $50,000 or $5 million. The difference between today and 2011 is that I have a track record. And the voters can judge me on that. They can look at the high-profile stuff that I have done, the fights with the fake charities and the casinos and the rest of them. Or they can look at the micro-level stuff. They can look at changing the customer service culture, creating an office that cares about responding to the individual taxpayer, creating an office that believes it when the boss says, we don't always get it right and if you see something wrong, reach out to us so we can make it right. I'm proud of that track record and I think that a choice between that and an opponent who mostly seems to want to talk about the partisan politics of the day and wants to talk about making America great again and wants to talk about a broader set of conservative principles. You know, I I disagree with all that stuff for a variety of reasons. And if you watched my attorney general's campaign, you know what I stand for. You know where I fall on the political spectrum. But the real question is, what do you want out of your county assessor? Do you want a true believer or do you want someone who believes in doing the job fairly? I'm going to throw you a bit of a curveball issue, which you don't have direct responsibility over, but it does kind of segue into your office a little bit. So there's a there's a 
sales tax increase for the St. Louis Zoo on the ballot. And you, I mean, I don't know if you, you personally collect the property taxes for the Zoo Museum District. Is that correct? Well, the collector's office does not work for me. Okay. It works for the county executive. But all of that stuff interplays because, again, I set the value exactly. on the property and other people decide what taxes to charge on it. Okay. For people who have listened to this show before, I get really passionate about this issue because I can't say enough how much I like the St. Louis Zoo and how much my kids like going there. But there is something philosophically concerning about the fact that St. Louis County voters already pay through their property taxes for the zoo, and they're being asked to pay even more through a sales tax. When Jefferson County, St. Charles County, Franklin County, and parts of the Metro East are not paying anything directly into the zoo. Again, I know this is just kind of your opinion on this, but I'd be interested to hear what your take on the zoo tax is. I think it could do a lot of great things for North St. Louis County. That breeding facility sounds like a great attraction, but I do think that the fact that surrounding communities don't pay for this facility is, is concerning to a county resident like me. What's your take on that? When I was a freshman member of the Missouri House of Representatives and we were about to go on a tour around the state and meet good and worthy representatives of great institutions all funded by uh, tax dollars, someone said something very wise to me. And I don't remember who said it, but it has stayed with me for more than a decade in elective office. Uh, what that person said was, government is the story of unlimited wants and needs and limited resources. Uh, that's why it's a good thing that the voters get to decide if they do or don't want to raise their taxes uh, to pay for the zoo expansion. Because clearly, zoo expansion would be a good thing for this region. And clearly, there are profound and legitimate questions about the right way to pay for it, whether it would better be paid by admissions fees on out-of-state visitors, whether it would be better paid by folks in some of the surrounding counties paying more of their fair share, which I personally think would be a very good thing and would be a fair thing, or whether the people of St. Louis County should take it upon themselves because it's the way to get it done. It's not my job to tell the voters what to think there, but I would observe that it's very similar to the questions this state has been struggling with about how to pay for our highways and the question of whether it should have been paid for by a sales tax, which was proposed a couple of years ago and the voters, in my view, appropriately voted down, or now through what seems like a much more serious and substantive proposal um, to do it through a modest increase in the gas tax. These kinds of public policy questions, it's not enough to say that a service is good or important. It's all good. It's all important. It's a question of resources. It's a question of where the resources come from. And it's a question of how the burden is shared. Now, before we get into the fun world of county uh, politics, which should be a fun conversation, I would be remiss to have a podcast with the assessor without talking about schools and how they affect assessments because you know we we don't I, I I think Normandy is still unaccredited at this point is that is that true or is it partially accredited I think I, I thought they had attained Par partial, partial accreditation, accreditation. and they certainly have been trending in the right direction and I think Riverview Gardens is in the same uh, boat yes but there's no question that when a school district is struggling it affects the property value of which the then in turn affects 
the taxes that are raised for the school district or others within that jurisdiction. It kind of it's becomes a, a vicious cycle almost. Well, it's, a, it's a chicken or an egg question. And I can, you know, I am, I am not a school superintendent and I am not an expert in how to make a school district better. But I do know a thing or two about school financing and the property taxes that pay for them. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you about the challenge that I see in St. Louis County that is really concerning to me. The challenge is an unfair differential in the property tax rates that people pay. If you own a home in the Clayton School District, you will pay an effective property tax rate on that home a little north of 1%. If you buy a home in the Normandy or the Riverview Garden School District, the effective property tax rate on the true value of that home is likely to be a little bit north of 2%, double. You pay double the property taxes to live in a struggling school district compared with what you pay to live in one of the most highly rated school districts in the state. Now, there are a variety of reasons why that happened. No one was trying to create this discrimination. It happened over a generation, over decades. But the fact is it happened. And the fact is that we now live in a region where some people pay double the property tax rate as others, and often it is a poverty tax. Often it is a tax on the people who can least afford to pay it. Do you think that this problem would be mitigated if there were fewer school districts? I mean, we're being very philosophical here. I think the reality is if you tried to merge some school districts, there'd be massive opposition for various reasons. But it does strike me, and we talked about this with Steve Ellman, the fact that there are so many, and a lot of school districts are drawn primarily in impoverished areas and don't stretch into wealthier ones, seems to create this cycle that you, you mentioned. So I know you don't have any control over that, but would the problem get better if there were fewer school districts in your view? Or is it, is it other public policy goals uh, that would help reduce that tax? I'm, I'm not sure that that's really the, uh, the secret sauce that would solve the challenge. And I think you have but to look at the city of St. Louis, which has one very large school district and has its own resource challenges and its own relatively high property tax rates. My view tends to be that a good chunk of the cause of this problem lies at the doorstep of the legislature because the whole reason that uh, the elected representatives of the people of Missouri established something years ago called the foundation formula was precisely to deal with the inherent unfairness of different property tax rates right. in different school districts around the state and the legislature at least in my lifetime in public policy, has never fully funded the foundation formula. Well, I guess you, you could still go to the legislature and tell them this, but it's up to them to, to make that decision. Um, so let's talk about St. Louis County politics, which is... <laughs> Democratic politics. Which is, which is sunshine and rainbows, Jason. <laughs> okay, so Joe has been following St. Louis County politics longer than I've been alive, so I want to make that clear. <laughs> but I've been following it since 2011. Yes. It has never been as bad as I've ever seen. Like the relationship between Steve Stanger and the council is, I would say, far worse than even the worst part of the Dooley council wars. And that was pretty bad. I'm sure you remember that. And Stanger has won the Democratic primary. I think he's probably favored to win re-election, barring 
you know, a cataclysmic thing. Um, but I think that there's just a lot of people very concerned about the next four years that it's just going to be a continuation of this infighting that big public policy issues are just not going to get completed because the council and the county executive are just going to try to snipe and one-up each other. I know you don't go to a lot of county council meetings. I mean, I haven't seen you there that often. But what's your observation of this as somebody who not only is an elected official but also a county resident? Because as a new county resident, I'm taking off my journalistic hat. I'm really concerned that this is going to affect the county government from functioning after a while. So I'm, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I share that concern. Uh, we, we all have our political differences, and uh, politics is supposed to be war by other means without the bloodshed. Yeah. Feelings run hot, and passions get strong, especially during an election year. And let's be honest, this is a particularly challenging election year. At least in my view, the institutions of American democracy are under threat in Washington, D.C. right now, right? People are angry, and it's about stuff a lot bigger than our little neck of the woods in St. Louis County. So, yeah, small wonder that uh, passions and tempers have been running high. What I don't have much patience for is this Hatfields versus McCoys kind of nonsense, um, infighting and sniping and backbiting doesn't serve anybody's purpose as well. Um, these are public policy questions beyond the job of the county assessor. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what the right solution to the law enforcement radio interoperability problem between Metrolink <laughs> police officers and county police officers oh, is. Oh, man, that's too I'm, bad. I'm sure that there are legitimate points on both sides that have been arguing with one another. But as a St. Louis County resident and as someone with a bully pulpit as an elected official, I don't think it's unreasonable to say it's time to put the political differences aside and get the cops the radios that they need so that they can talk to each other when there is a law enforcement event. I, I know you're right? not. I know you're not going to answer this question, but do you, who do you think is at fault for this? Because some people who are anti-Steve Stanger would say that his leadership style and the way that he's dealt with some of his people that he didn't get along with at, on the county council was just self-defeating. And it, got, it came to a point where he started with a huge majority on the council to now where zero allies are there. But if you talk with him, and I think he has legitimate points here, he would say that a lot of the opposition and a lot of the criticism that he gets from some of the council members um, sometimes comes after they voted for things that he supported. It kind of is like, oh, they say, oh, I didn't read this well enough, and now I oppose it like the ice rink situation. Yeah. And his view, which I think is actually a reasonable one, is the county council, you know, should have been more assertive at the time and is kind of sometimes playing Johnny come lately. Who's to blame or is it is this a, is this a situation where everybody's bad, in your opinion, or nobody's good? I don't know. I think the question I would ask back at you is, does it matter who is to blame or does it matter how we get to a solution and find a more responsible way? of moving forward. And the voters have answered that question. The way the voters answered that question in the Democratic primary is they rendered a split decision. The voters 
renominated some people who don't get along very well with one another. And I would suggest to you that that is the voters' way of saying that it doesn't matter and we don't care who's right and who's wrong and we don't care who started it and we don't care who's on which side of the back seat of the car first. What we care about is that everyone do their jobs. Do you look at the map with the Mark Montevani and Steve Stanger where – Mark Montevani won a lot of the places where you've traditionally gone well in, like, you know, the Central Corridor, um, but didn't do well in North St. Louis County, where I think you have a lot of political support and think, why didn't I run for county executive? Because I'm not just saying this because I've known you for a while and I think that you are, are humorous and funny, but I look at that map and I'm thinking that you would have beaten Steve Stinger by five or 10 percentage points if you had decided to run for county executive. Do you look at that and think, why didn't I do this this time? Or are you okay with what you've decided to do? I don't spend a lot of time engaging in what ifs. If I did, I wouldn't have run for statewide office two years ago. And I wouldn't be running for re-election today because I'd be too busy crying in my milk about what happened There's a lot of crying in your milk in the Zimmerman household. But, <laughs> but, but okay, let's get to the question that Joe and I wanted to ask. I mean, it's 2018 now. Um, We'll see what happens in your re-election. I know that you have to win re-election before you decide on what you're going to do next. But are you thinking maybe in 2022 of running for county executive or county prosecutor or, you know, moving to St. Louis City and becoming recorder of deeds? You know, what what, what do you... What, what are you kind of you, thinking into the future? You nailed it, Jason. I have always longed to record deeds. Oh, of course. <laughs> I mean, look... I ran for attorney general of the state of Missouri. It goes without saying that I love leading a life in public service and that I'm excited to find ways to make a difference in my community. Uh, But I'm also a big believer in the idea of growing where you are planted. The voters did not see fit to make me the attorney general. The voters did see fit to reelect me as county assessor, and I hope that they will see fit to do it one more time in November. And if I'm ever going to do anything meaningful in public service, something else beyond this, then I had better do this job well. And I had better be an assessor that people can be proud of. And frankly, there's more than enough of that to keep me occupied before I worry about political what might have been. Now, um, looking at at the party, though, state Democratic Party heading into November without getting into the other races, but obviously you are on the ballot. Um, Any general thoughts? Do you think the party is better organized, worse organized, less focused, worse focused than what it was two years ago? I'm just interested in, in whether or not you feel that the state party is a help rather than a hurt or whatever. I would say that the party is significantly better organized. Some of that comes from the top. I give a lot of credit to Stephen Weber, who I think is a very impressive and talented man who has done a lot of things right for the state Democratic Party. But I also think a lot of it comes from the ground up. You will recall, Joe, that I met my wife, Megan, uh, while both of us were in different capacities helping out with the Obama campaign yes. in 2008. Yes. And what happened in that year in Missouri politics was that a lot of people came out of the woodwork who we didn't see getting involved, getting active, deciding that this was a moment to care. What I see 
as I talk to people in the community right now and I talk to people who are concerned and frustrated and a little scared about the direction in Washington, D.C., about what happened in Jefferson City with the embarrassment that our last governor last left us, what I see is people getting involved in ways that they didn't before. So is the party more organized now? Yes, it is. Why is that? As much as anything, it's because of ordinary people who have decided that they need to do that organizing. Last question before we let you go. And I've, I've asked this question to a bunch of people. And no, this is not a, is Jake Zimmerman running for governor in 2020, which would be fun, but you're focused on your job now. Your party really doesn't have an obvious candidate for governor right now. And I think that it's fluid because we got to see what happens in 2018. Got to see if Nicole Galloway wins re-election. For state auditor. For state auditor. Not re-election. She has to win her first full term. Right. Um, do you have any people that you're looking to to be kind of on the statewide ballot that you think would be good for your party overall? Um, I'm interested to hear your take on this because you just mentioned you've been kind of involved in Democratic politics for a long time. I think people would care about your opinion on that, even though you probably will make some self-deprecating comment about how nobody cares about your opinion. But I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, I'm touched that you care about my opinion, um, and I certainly think Nicole Galloway is a very talented and impressive person, and when she is reelected as our state auditor, uh, I would expect her to be in a conversation about future Missouri leadership one way or another, and I think there's a number of very talented and very capable people, including some people I shared or attempted to share a ticket with uh, two years ago. Um, there is a piece of me that is disappointed to see Jason Kander seeking the mayorship of Kansas City, given the very high opinion that I hold of Jason from our time serving together. What What would you rather have him run for? Or uh, be anything to he run for? wants to, Lieutenant, Joe. Lieutenant Governor. I bang that gavel. <laughs> I would like to see Jason Kander do as much as is possible in Missouri public service because I think he is in public service for all the right reasons. Um, but more broadly than that, just the fact that there is this level of talent, that there are people who care, and the fact that we are seeing new candidates, people showing up like Court Van Osteren running for the 2nd Congressional District, who is not somebody who's been a name in Missouri politics for a generation. That's what we need. We need some people who haven't been doing it for a generation, but who are committed to doing it right. And I find that pretty exciting. Well, we want to thank you for your time. Uh, this was a, a great conversation. Yes. And it got funny at times, but you do do a lot of serious work as assessor. So I'm glad we got to go in depth on that. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. How can people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? At Jake for STL Co. Or find me on Facebook. I'm Jake Zimmerman. Do you have a MySpace account? If I did, would I admit it? <laughs> That's a good line. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> This is a song with the same four chords I use most of the time When I've got something on my mind and I don't want to squander the moment Trying to come up with a better way to say what I want to Sponsored by Lou Fuse Alfa Romeo of Metro East.